Hiya. Welcome to Stomping Grounds, a new podcast from me, William Stone. Uh, I'll be your host and I'll be talking to other comedians about where they grew up. Um, I've been feeling particularly nostalgic over lockdown. Obviously not being able to see friends and uh, comedy is quite a social thing. Um, and I've been missing that kind of camaraderie, hanging out, chatting to, to other comedians. So I thought it'd be fun to do a little nostalgic podcast about where we grew up and how that kind of has an effect on us as comedians and just people in general. My first guest is Angela Barnes. I'm very excited to have her on. I'm very lucky to have her on. She's a proper comedian and uh, she's probably got better things to do, to be honest. So I really appreciate this. Um, it was a lot of fun talking to her. Um, she's someone I don't know that well, so it's great to get to know a bit more about her. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. So check it out. I mean, I think we. Um, I'm trying to think where I think I first met you in London at a gig. I think it was one of Robin Perkins' gigs in South London somewhere. Could well um, have been the first time I nice remember enough... seeing you. And first time I remember seeing mm. you perform. I might have met you at a gig and not seen you perform, but the first time I saw you perform was at um, it was Joe Wells' gig in Southsea or Portsmouth Way. In a pub. Oh yes, the wave, uh, wave maiden. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah. yeah, that's the first time ah. I remember seeing you, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's good." Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I, that's, that's so funny because in my head it was it was in London, which I thought that's really neat because I can do a nice little segue into the fact that you're from South London originally. I think is that right? No, I'm not. No, I'm oh, from you're Kent. Not? Okay, I'm Kent. Oh, scum, right, right. right. Oh, oh yeah, right. Even even worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even worse. I right. wish I wish I was from South London. At least that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> so where where in Kent are you from? I'm from Maidstone in Kent. It's where I grew up. I was born in Sidcup, and then when I was six, right, we moved right. to Maidstone. So um, yeah, Kent. You ask any comedian. There was a survey about ten, fifteen years ago. I think it was the Telegraph did a survey of mm. like famous comedians and asked them um, where in the UK they most hated playing. And Maidstone came third. <laughs> Out of like after, Liverpool was number right, one, obviously. Right. Anyone who's a comedian knows that gigging in Liverpool is really hard because it's the one place in England, Liverpool, where you can't take the piss out of the city you're in because they are really proud of it. And you can't, and, right. and it's the, Liverpudlians, their sort of view of themselves and and, a, and one they've earned in a way is that they're funny right they're funny Pete they're funny so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really difficult to perform in Liverpool because the audience will think they're funnier than you and they probably are so whereas but Maidstone was <laughs> number really fascinating three. yeah yeah well because there, there used to be an up the creek in Maidstone and it was really renowned for being oh right rough like really rough club i never went i think it closed down probably in the 90s i don't know if i ever actually went there maybe early 2000s it closed down but yeah it was known mm. for being a rough gig and you ask anyone like uh, yeah any gig that's been on the uh, any act that's been on the circuit for a while what that was like and they'll tell you some horror stories and because maidstone like a lot of kent is yeah. sort of um it's it's 
Oh, I feel bad slagging off Mason because I feel about it like I feel about a sibling that's gone rogue. <laughs> you know, you're like, I know they're an arsehole, but they're my <laughs> arsehole. You know, I love them and I don't want right. to slag them off in public. But Maidstone's a working class Tory town, if you know what I mean. And right, right. Everything yeah, yeah, that yeah. that brings with it, you know, um, and a lot of Kent is like that. I mean, a lot of the country's like that, but Kent, it's quite concentrated in Kent. And I yeah. think I've got a theory that it's because of Dover, sort of historically through the ages, immigration has come through Dover. And so Kent has this real, it's really got mm-hmm. its back up about immigration. Um, regardless of what, you know, mm. where you stand on that, that's how it is. And I think that's why people like UKIP, people like yeah. Nigel Farage are really able to take a hold there because people in Kent think, well, it's all right yeah, for you yeah. in London to be going, you know, welcome the immigrants. But they, you, they, they've got this idea that immigrants come to Dover and stay there and they don't. <laughs> like, we know they don't. Mm. But, yeah, they're, you yeah. know, they're on their, they're, they're, they've yeah, got to come to through be... their gateway. Yeah, it seems to be, it's, you know, it's a bit of a, um, I don't know what, a cliche, but the idea that people are sort of afraid of, their, you know, their imagination is always worse than the reality. Yeah. And uh, it's always the idea that, so it's always the places that have the highest amount of immigration and stuff that are just obviously like chill about it. Even though, yeah. that you know, by rights, if anyone had a, a, a genuine grievance, you'd think it would be there, but it's always the other way around, isn't it? That, yeah. Totally. You know, it's the places where like there's no people of color at all that are like all these people. It's like what people? I can't see. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, when I went to school, when I was at school in Maidstone, you know, mm. there was on the estate I lived on, there was one black family, and everyone knew them. Everyone yeah. knew their name. I felt sorry for them. They must have felt like they were living in a goldfish bowl because they couldn't do anything yeah. or go anywhere without. They, you know, were so. Um, one of them ended up being a quite a good footballer I think I know nothing about football so I can't but they were the Forbes family and and everyone knew you know whereas that seems mad to me now but there were I could tell you the names of every non-white person that was at my school um because there were so few of them I had a similar thing where I grew up yeah yeah in my high school I think there were you know, six or seven people of colour in my high school. It wasn't a small one. You know, it's quite a big school, yeah. you know, it's, but it's just like right in the middle of the country. It's nowhere near like any big, big cities or anything. So it was, yeah, like a really similar sort of situation. Yeah. Um, but obviously without without the border issue, you know, because we're not on the coast, so people aren't yeah. scared of the idea of immigration either. So it's kind of just sort of similar, but sort of not. <laughs> yeah, so, that's it. Mm, um, so, um, Maidstone, I don't think I've, I've been, I did a gig in Ramsgate once that was pretty rough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Ramsgate, I don't be, mean... my best friend lives in Ramsgate. It's a, yeah, that's a, um, I, it's sort of just slowly gentrifying now Ramsgate, which I find a bit sad because right. I quite oh, like that, the rough a... seaside towns of Kent. Like Margate used to be rough as anything and now it's full of hipsters, you know, mm. um, I quite yes, yeah, like yeah, the rough that, Kentish yeah. seaside, um, but because that's yeah. where I grew up going, I went to Broad- you know? Yeah, I went to Broadstairs and that was sort of like, it's sort of like, this is like what Brighton must have been like about 15 mm. years ago, I guess. Like you can see totally. the start of something there, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. But all that bit of Broadstairs, Margate, Whitstable. There were places I used to go. We used to go from Maidstone, we used to go to Whitstable to go bowling because we didn't have a bowling alley. 
<laughs> so we used to get in someone's car and go to Whitstable to go bowling. And it was rough as arseholes in those days. <laughs> Whereas now <laughs> it's very twee and bougie. And yeah. 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 So, we you know, in Margate, sorry, not Margate, <laughs> sorry, completely <laughs> wrong town, Maidstone, mm. um, did you have like kind of like any like local legends and stuff? Like, you know, the guy that always used to sit on top of the bus or, oh, you know, yeah. the, the woman that always fed the pigeons inside the shopping centre, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were several, actually. We had several characters in Maidstone. There was the guy, there was um in the 80s and 90s, and again, like, I left in when I went off to university and I never really properly went back. So I don't know, you know, whether he's still there. Maybe, I mean, he'd be ancient if he was. But there was a guy who used to always busk on Week Street in Maidstone, which is a pedestrianised street, and he was a blind guy and he used to um, just be there all day on a Saturday playing his guitar and singing. I always think mm. of him when I think of him. And then there was, um, yeah, I, it's so, I miss the, I don't know if it's a thing anymore, but definitely in the 80s and 90s, every town had its tramp. Um, and I don't just mean a homeless person. Yes. I yeah, mean yeah. a town tramp. Yeah. That everyone knew. A tramp. Yes. Yeah. 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 And ours was called, his mm. name was Frank. And then in the 90s, Pearl Jam had a B side called Dirty Frank. So that's what he became known as to all of us. <laughs> Dirty Frank. Right. Yeah. And, um, and you'd just see him about all the time. He'd sort of, you'd be in a shop and he'd come in and shout and then go out again, you know. And, and I also used to, when I was a teenager, I worked in a, in a calf, and I mean a calf, not a cafe, a calf, in, um, right. in at the bottom yeah. of Gabriel's Hill Maidstone. It was called Santini's, and it was a proper dive of a calf. Mm. I used to get paid two pounds an hour, Billy. That's how I buy. <laughs> and um, wow. I, I got this. Skill, I, I'm going to sound like a grandma now. I used. To, I remember I used to work there after school on a Friday. I worked there after school a couple of nights a week, and then on a Saturday. And on a Friday, I'd work mm. there. And I'd work there for two hours after school because it shut at like six or whatever. And I'd get my four quid, right? I'd get four pound coins. And with that, I would go and buy 10 cigarettes, which cost less than a pound. And then with the other three pounds, I'd go to the pub <laughs> and I'd have three halves of cider. I'd have a night out for four quid. How amazing is that? That sounds like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's you can't get a, you can't get a, you can't get a bike for four quid in Brighton. You so can't. yeah. Oh amazing. god, I sound like such an old grandma. That's what happened. I'm 44 now. Now I'm talking about. I remember when I could get a night out for four pounds. But um, yeah, that's what I used to do Friday night. Take my four quid to the Tutton Shive just up the road. Meet my friends in there with 10. I used to smoke awful rough cigarettes as well because they were cheap, like 10 raffles or 10. Oh, God. Um, yeah, those are the days. So, yeah, <laughs> it was dirty Frank. Days, and that yeah. cafe that I used to um, work in was just full of, of the town characters. That's where they'd go. It was, yeah, it was. Um, right, that's cool. Full of the sort. It, it either had the. Because there was an art school in Maidstone. So it had the sort of. The, the common people type art school students, you know, the ones that Jarvis Cocker sings about who are like having a go at being poor. Right. It had either them who were like, oh, look at us yeah, rocking yeah, yeah. it in this calf, you know, or it had proper drink society. You. It was great. I loved working there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the great thing. These kind of spaces are like a melting pot. I love that. And I yeah, think they're yeah. sort of um, kind of few, fewer and further between now, I, I think. Uh, maybe this is me sounding like a granddad. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
you're so, so you say you're, you're 44 did you say yeah <laughs> yeah so you're sort of Growing up, teenage years would have been sort of late eighties, early nineties. I want to say, yeah, right? yeah. So I was what my I always think of my sort of peak fun time in Mayfair years like ninety three, ninety four, when I was sort of sixteen, seventeen. That's, mm. Yeah, so yeah, sort of the nineties. I feel I, like were my decade. <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel like because I'm. Uh, I was I was born in eighty four, so I sort of was. It's that funny thing where I grew up in the 90s, but I wasn't like a 90s kid. Do you know what I mean? I wish I was that little bit mm. older. Because a lot of the stuff I was really into, I wasn't really that old enough to enjoy and stuff. So like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I could have gone to see Oasis at Main Road, but I wasn't old enough to know about like, con- like how to get concert tickets. And like, I didn't have my own income and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, like, you know, one of those questions when, you know, you know, it might be a later party, people are like, oh, where would you go? Like, if you could you know, go to any time in history. And I, I always say, I'm not even that big an Oasis fan. <laughs> but, I, but, but the idea of, you know, you know, being at Main Road and seeing yeah. a band from Manchester, I'm not even from Manchester either. I'm from outside, <laughs> like quite outside Manchester. But yeah. to, I think it's that idea of belonging. And that's like, that's our time. Like seeing our band in our city, in our time. You know yeah. I mean? It's a real, it's funny. It's like a real bit... moment. I remember seeing in, now what year would this have been? 95, I think it would have been. I got it the wrong way around because I saw um, Oasis at, what might have been Wembley? Somewhere in London anyway. And I saw Blur at the um, MEN in um, in Manchester. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've got this the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. Well, I mean, so you, so you, were you, were you into sort of like indie and like uh, yeah, and music definitely. and stuff like that? Yeah, I was, I was never. So was that... I, in the eighties, I had a brief flirtation with being a, a boy band girl. So, like, I um, right, right. I loved in the eighties, like when I was little, really, when I was a little girl, I loved Wham and I loved George Michael. Um, you know, because mm. I didn't realize how far mm. up the wrong tree I was barking in those days, and I, I really <laughs> loved. Yeah, and th- and then I sort of Bross came along, and I sort of had a flirtation with like in Bross and Brother Beyond, and then I was really like, my my family are all musicians, and they're into proper old rock and roll, you know, and and or Bob Dylan or that right. sort of some I've got some folk musicians in my family, but a lot of proper rock and roll musicians. So it was always the Stones, and mm. you know, just proper, um, and obviously the Stones being from Kent as well. So that was a my dad went to school with Mick Jagger. Yeah. In uh, in Dartford. Oh wow, so, that's cool. Yeah, so I um yeah I didn't I never really bought into the sort of although I went to a girls' school. So in Kent where I grew up, they still have um, grammar school system because they're behind. Um, so it was a state right. school, but it was a girls' grammar school because um, I passed the exams. And um, so there was a lot of girls into New Kids on the Block and Take That when they came along and. You know, and I just never, re- never really did. I think I sort of did a performative thing of sort of pretending I really liked New Kids on the Block just because everyone did. But really, I when mm. I remember when Leisure came out by Blur, I would have been, when was that, 91? Mm. So I'd have been about 13, 14. And I remember thinking, oh, this is this is what I like. This is for me. Right. Um, but it was a sort of dirty secret, really, at school until... 
suddenly, like in about 1994, <laughs> you were allowed to be an indie kid then when Blur and Oasis had their thing going on, yeah. you know. And then it was all right to be an indie kid. Sort of the, um, the- yeah, so they had the height of Britpop in a way, or at least the you know the the start of it, I think. Yeah, and it was kind of indie music was uh, and guitar music was kind of cool again, wasn't it? And it exactly. kind of moved a bit away from the more the more glossy kind of pop music. So yeah. it was like there were like an so is there was there like a kind of like group of people that were into like you know it was like an alternative scene, was like a trendy scene. I'm just trying to get a picture yeah. of like what Kent so- was like. In terms of like social groups and stuff. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it depended what school you went to, um, mm-hmm. as it often does in these things. But I, so I went to, there were two girls grammar schools and I went to um, Invicta Grammar, which was seen as being the sort of slightly less stuffy one. Um, like right. the, the the Maidstone girls grammar, they had a brown uniform, so we used to call them the shits. Um, but <laughs> our uniform was claret and blue because the person who designed it was a West Ham fan, apparently, um, as the legend goes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, and, that, and you're like your school motto is like the Latin for forever blowing bottles. Right, like, yeah. bubbles <laughs> so <laughs> there was a there's a sort of tribes at my school where you were either into the um, boy bands or you were there was a like a slight because also yeah. there was a it was the the early nineties. The rave scene was really big. So I feel myself a little bit young for rave, yeah. but there were a few girls in my year that were, you know, they were the same age as me, but they were way older than me. If you know what I mean, you know, they were lost their virginity at 12. Yeah, yeah, girls, you know, the ones. Um, and they were all into the mm-hmm. rave thing, but I was far too nervous a child to be going to illegal raves. There was no way that was going to happen. Um, so, um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I was more. I had friends that were in bands. I had a lot of family were in bands, so I forever seemed to have been going to gigs in my youth, which was good. And then as I um, got older, sorry, my doorbell just went then, but so the dog will start barking. Sorry That's about right. that. Um, <laughs> that'll okay, deal with right. it. But she'll start going mad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, as um, as I got older, I would go to um, my friend Ian who's a best friend of mine, still is, he was a bass player in a band. So we used to go and watch them a lot. And they were sort of rock and roll, grungy kind of... So I was in the... I had a foot in the sort of indie camp and a foot in the uh, grunge mm. camp. Like I like Nirvana, I like Pearl Jam, I like that sort of... So my friends were probably more in the grungy group, whereas I had my little secret... Yeah, yeah. Blur, um, ...which they saw as being a little bit, you know, fey and and they were right. <laughs> really but yeah and there were what else yeah it's funny I was talking about this the other day about sort of tribes at school and the gangs and the and I think from mm. as long as I can remember I've really been anti-clique like it's just never suited me to be in a clique yeah and mm. I feel like that in comedy now you know and it's why certain comedy festivals I can't get on with because it makes me feel like I'm at school you know, where that everyone's hanging out together and I'm not. I've um, yeah, I've, I, I've had this before. I've I've likened comedy to school a couple of times where mm. you have the kind of school years and stuff. You just, so you've got the ones that are the oldest ones in the year that are doing that bit better, even though we started at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And like yeah. you've kind of got the people at the end that are sort of like straggling along. They're kind of like going along with it because they have to, but they don't really want to. And yeah. um, and well, yeah, always, it, it's, it's funny. It's similarities. 
I've always felt in a, a, a real strange place with comedy because of that, because I felt that really keenly. Mm. But I had this weird situation where, so I was quite, in terms of comedy, was quite old when I started. So I was 33 when I did my first open spot. And what right. I've, so what I found happened, the people that were in my, what I see as my school year of comedy, the people that started when I did, most mm. of them are considerably younger than me. So yeah, yeah. I was never sort of hanging out with them outside of comedy. Like there's there's a big group of people in comedy who also their social lives are all together and everything. And I never had that because I was that bit older, you know, who wants to bring the mm. old fart along? Whereas <laughs> now I've been doing comedy a while, the sort of people I hang out with, you know, I'm friends with now are people like, say, Mark Steele, for example, who... Mm-hmm. um is I, I feel more in common with in terms of age, you know, but he has been doing comedy for 30 years, you know, and I'm still a newbie. So it's, right, yeah. I sort of feel like I either hang out with people my age who are way more experienced in comedy than me or hang out with people mm-hmm. who are, you know, at the same level as me in comedy, but are 10, 15 years younger. So it's this weird sort of, I've never yeah. quite felt I belong in, you know, to any group in comedy, but actually... I sort of feel that suits my personality as well. Because when I... Yeah, I was going to say... And I think, yeah. Well, I'm on, getting, sorry. Uh, no, because I was talking about this recently because I'm getting married... Well, hopefully getting married this year, coronavirus permitting. And I was talking about my bridesmaids and I've got I've got six bridesmaids because when you get to your mid-40s, you collect a lot of people. But four... <laughs> no, yeah, four of them um, are people I went to school with. And... Uh, one of them is a daughter of one of the people I went to school with. So so the one who is a friend I've known as an adult, my friend Sophie, she was a bit like, oh, God, they all know each other. They all, And I was like, they don't, actually, because even though we all went to the same school, they all were hmm. in different groups. Right, so, right. Because I just sort of floated between different groups. So I yeah. sort of collected the people I like from different groups and made my own little <laughs> group, <laughs> whether they liked it or is- not. I think that's conducive to good comedy is kind of being that little bit on the outside and being Mm. able to look in. And that's when you notice things about things, I think, more than if you're like, I am this, this is what I do, this is how the world is. I think, you know, I'm not saying that you can't do good comedy and stuff like that, but I think it's easier to be an outsider and look in. And that's when you make these great observations, I think, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, and and to be sort of interested in different things. I think, you know, I always... I think when you're younger, you feel like you're supposed to belong to this tribe and you're supposed to like everything they like and you're supposed to do all the same. Whereas actually I've realised now as I get older that it's really nice to sort of like things that don't necessarily belong together because it just gives you a broader Mm. range of... So, for example, you know, I love Blur and I love The Archers and I love Nuclear Bunkers. (laughs) and You know, the things that really interest me don't necessarily all fit together. And that's that's what makes for interesting... Um, you know, an interesting experience, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think um, I heard a thing when I, when I got into my 30s, I found that, like I didn't have to, I could like what I wanted and it didn't matter. Do you know what I mean? That sounds really ridiculous, but it's like, so, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, I was really, really into sort of metal and punk. I'm still into it, mm. but I felt like I couldn't say, you know what, that Girls Aloud song actually is a banger. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. it's like I'm 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 one of these people. Now I'm like, you know what? I'll go and see like a a, a K-pop band, and then the next week I'll go and see 
you know UK subs it doesn't matter yeah. you know what I mean I can like what I, I can like what I want and it's um, so freeing that isn't it because I, yeah, I had a is, period yeah. in my sort of late teens and 20s where I really decided I was going to be a music snob and I would you know I'd buy all the music press I'd buy uncut magazine and think I was better than everyone else because I read it and I you know <laughs> um and then I yeah I think it is around 30 when you suddenly go well I've that's a really good pop song and actually it's not easy to write a really good pop song and they're not cheating and they're mm. not shit they're that's you know um it, it and the fact that you can admit to yourself that like I hate the phrase guilty pleasures now you know whereas in when I was in my 20s they mm, were good yeah, yeah. whereas now I go no it's just a pleasure mm. I just like <laughs> listening to, I like Chaz and Dave there I said it I like it it makes yeah. me yeah you know, it makes me happy yeah so um, life's Life's too short to feel. Life's too short to feel good about liking something. You know what I mean? Yeah. To feel guilty, sorry about liking something. You should be absolutely. Able to like, yeah, it's good. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need um, to. And I think when you hit your forties, it's even more so. I, I really felt a sense of when I got right into my forties, a sense of I can stop trying to prove who I am or, or trying to work out who I am now. I think your twenties and into your thirties, you're sort of going, I can still make it. I can still, there's time I can do that. I need to, you get to your forties and you're like, well, this is who I am now. It's not going to fundamentally change now. So either <laughs> accept that yeah. and, and just be that, or you're going to have a really miserable time, you know, and it's quite mm. freeing just mm. to go, Oh yeah. yeah. Actually if you don't like me. It's fine as well. It's really fine if people don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from yourself, what is um, what would you say Maidstone's claim to fame is? <laughs> like, what's the um, oh. you know if you were, if you were to meet someone from a different town when you were growing up? Well, this is more like maybe not now, but like so when you were growing up, what was the claim to fame? And so uh, what the kind of thing I'm talking is like if you were to go, you know, you met a, a guy from another school. And you really fancied him, and you wanted to show off about Maidstone. What would you? What was? What would you go to? What would you say? I would. It would all be about the TV studios in Maidstone. So um, oh, they're called Maidstone right. Studios now, but they were they were the TVS studios back in the days when t- TVS was a thing. And um, it's where the on Saturday mornings it's where Number Seventy Three and then Motormouth were filmed there. Art Attack was filmed there. Quite a lot of the sort of CITV oh, wow. programs when we were younger were filmed there. And mm. my, I lived in the estate that backed onto it. And my house was like a two minute mm. walk from the studios. So every Saturday morning, this is in the sort of early ni- late 80s, early 90s. Every Saturday morning, me and my friend Claire Wellington, we would go to the and just stand outside the gates with our autograph books and whatever guests they had on Motormouth. Oh. We try and get their autographs. So we we met Kylie and Jason. We met Bross. We met Brother Beyond. We met oh, lo- loads of really, yeah. So that that was Mesa's real claim to fame that it was um, where Motormouth was filmed, um, or Number Seventy Three before that. If you're as old as that's me. great. I just <laughs> no, that one's slightly before my time. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I was young. For oh, that's that one. cool. I mean, yeah. Um, they might. Um, I think. I don't know what mine would have been really thinking about it. I think. I mean, the, it's funny because, like, uh, I remember when when I was a teenager, I went to see. So again, I've never ever been into football, but um, our local football team was the oldest football club in the country, apparently, Northwich Victoria, and um, 
I went with some friends to see a charity match. It was Northwich Vic versus the cast of EastEnders. And um, uh, I got um, Bianca's autograph and stuff like that. And again, I wasn't into EastEnders either, so I don't know what I was doing there. (laughs) But um, it sounds like a similar sort of thing. Like it's, yeah, just to sort of, I wanted to go along for the ride and see these, oh, I I recognise that face off the telly. Yeah. You know, um, I don't um, remember anything about the match. (laughs) It's funny you should mention EastEnders because Barry from EastEnders is from Maidstone. Oh, they, why, there you should have led with that. <laughs> should have led with that, shouldn't I? He's our friend to fame, Barry from EastEnders. He's a oh, Maidstone yeah. boy. Mackenzie Crook was born in Maidstone. I think he grew up in Dartford. Oh, really? Born in Maidstone, I was going to yeah. say, because yeah. I just assumed he was West Country, but, I mean, yeah, I guess he grew up, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's Kent, yeah. And um, oh, who else did we have? Tony Hart went to the art school in Maidstone, so we like to claim him oh, as one of Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is he still not dead? He's one of those people that keep people being like R.I.P. Tony Hart, and for years it was he wasn't, but now he actually is, isn't he? Well, I think yeah. And also, well, he died. No, he died in like two thousand and nine or something. But every few years, people right. go R.I.P. Tony Hart, and you're like, he died years ago. What are you doing? <laughs> it's the way around, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's definitely dead. I think we can categorically say Tony Hart, God rest <laughs> his soul, is dead. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, what other... oh, there's some there's some really good things to think. There's also when um, uh if, in anyone who grew up in Maidstone, if you say Maidstone Museum to them, they will say they will tell you all about the mummy. We're very proud of our mummy at Maidstone Museum. Her name's Takush. Oh, yeah. And she uh yeah, she was she's like two and a half thousand years old or something. And um when I, mm. I think now they make a big display of her, but when I was little, we used to go to Maidstone Museum. She was just sort of in a corridor, this this mummy with the bandages unwrapped. It was quite it's quite a haunting vision for a child to see. I definitely had yeah, nightmares yeah. about Tokush, but yeah, she's a everyone from Maidstone knows the Maidstone mummy. Mm. Do do you think, you know, I mean I'm not I'm not trying to like reach here, but do you think that kind of like growing up around like a kind of recording studio tv culture celebrities do you think that got you interested in like oh i'd like to do this kind of thing maybe maybe i've never really thought about that because i i think i was always i was always well no i was always a very shy child people find that mm-hmm. hard to believe considering what i do now but <laughs> i was and i was also um I used to like drama and stuff, but I I was I never had self confidence really. I always had low self confidence, so it never would have occurred to me. I don't think that's something I'd like to do. Well, I know it never did um, mm. until I was much older, um, and I used to. I think I think I was always intrigued by sort of celebrity, and, and I loved comedy. I loved watching TV. I loved you know I, I was always intrigued by it, but I definitely wasn't. I'm going to do that one day. Definitely not. It would never have occurred mm-hmm. to me when I was younger that that was even an option for me. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Do you do you feel nostalgic for mates? Do you still have uh, family there and stuff? Could you do you have the I opportunity do. to go back if you want? Yeah, I go back fairly often. So my mum lives there, and um, my one of my closest friends, Kirsten, she's there. And what I really love is I go and visit Kirsten and her husband Matt, and they've got three kids and like she's my maid of honor she's the person I've known and loved longest of all my friends and I I sort of love going back to Maidstone to have my what I call my family fix just to get a fix of of sort of the kids and everything and then um 
that, but no enough can leave <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> I do have nostalgia. I mean, I have really happy memories of my sort of youth there. Um, you know, I had a good mm. set of friends, really good set of friends, and we had a lot of fun. And um, I never. I never had any trouble really at school or with people, you know, I was never bullied or anything like that. Um, mm. You know, anything that was caused me trouble was in my own head. So I, I feel yeah. very thankful for the friends that I had and still have, you know, I've still got close friends from Maidstone. Um, well, like say four of my, five of my six bridesmaids are from Maidstone. So, um yeah yeah it's it's happy memories that's good yeah would you say you know you're, you're you're proud to be from where you're from do you feel indifferent about it do you feel like it's part of like do you think i'm a kent i'm a maidstone girl you know do you is that mm. is that part of you do you think it's do you, do you feel I mean, proud it, it is part of me there's no because i can't deny it it's part of me mm. um you know it's the town that i grew up in I do feel lucky in that I had family and friends that weren't necessarily reflective of the overall attitude of Maidstone, shall we say, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I was very much part of, the, you know, my friends were more alternative, maybe or slightly more um, left leaning than most of Maidstone is, um, which suited me. I, to say I'm proud of Maidstone it's it's that thing I said before it's a bit like a a sibling where I go well I'm not not proud of it and I do love it because it brought me up but it can be an idiot sometimes you know and and I know like my my (laughs) mum bless her my mum is the chair of the local amnesty group and I think sometimes she just feels like you know she's fighting a losing battle in Maidstone <laughs> to try and sort of, yeah. you know, but I'm like, well, that's, that's where you need to be fighting. There's no point, you know, in Brighton, it's easy to be the chairperson of Amnesty in Brighton, isn't it? But you're, you're <laughs> fighting the good fight. You're trying to do it in a place where people don't give a shit about people from other countries. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, I know, I'm very proud of her that she's, she is holding up. And I think sometimes she gets tired and like my mum loves playing golf my mum plays golf, but I think she doesn't love most people who play golf, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So she really struggles sometimes, I think, at the golf oh, club. Yeah. She's yeah. like, sometimes I just have to walk away or I have to, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it may not suit me politically, Maidstone, and it may not suit me sometimes in attitude, mm-hmm. um, but it's still the town that I, I still... It's a town that feels like home. When you, It's funny, isn't it? You go to the place you grew up, however long you've been away and I've been away from Maidstone for far longer than I ever lived there but it's just it still feels mm. like a familiar place you know yeah. if I drive to my mum's and I yeah, drive nice past to my old school or whatever you know it just it's all familiar mm. well it sounds a little bit bit like you might have inherited from your mum you were talking earlier about um kind of finding it you didn't feel comfortable being part of like a clique or a club and like what you're saying about the golf like i like to play golf but i don't like people to play golf you know what i mean yeah uh, yeah yeah. maybe maybe that's uh, something you've inherited in a in a in a in a way yeah and you know it's funny you say that because my mum as well is yeah maybe i am like my mum because my mum's one of nine 
kids. Um, mm. And she's wow. like right in the middle of these nine kids. I think she was the fourth or fifth. And um, they're all loud musicians, my mum's family. They're brilliant. I love them and I'm really proud. But my mum's the quiet one. My mum's the one who would sit and read a book and just watch it all. And I think I've got that from her. The sort mm. of, I love being around fun. You know, I love being around a lot of activity and around, but I'm not necessarily in the middle of it. I like watching it. I like ha- right. watching it happen around me. And I definitely get that from my mum. Definitely. Mm. And that's why I think for comedy... I always just assumed wasn't for me. It was something I enjoyed watching. And, you know, I was a punter. I was never supposed to be. It never occurred to me that I could do it, mm. you know, mm. until much later. Mm. It's it's interesting with the, the, the idea of like being proud of where you're from. I found generally speaking, that's not, um, with the exception of we, we spoke about Liverpool earlier, actually, mm. but Generally in the UK, people aren't like, you know, in America, people are like, yeah, Texas, or, you know, they really care about mm. where they're from and very proud. It seems maybe it's just a general thing about the British psyche. I don't know. Maybe it's like seen as a bit coarse to be overly proud of something. I don't know. Because we have the whole, like, people are really into their club or whatever with football and stuff. But I don't think people are really quite as like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, Maidstone through and through. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think in this country you can go to a town as a comedian and you can open with something shit about that town and they'll all go, yeah, you're right. It is shit. (laughs) And and they're perfectly fine with that. You couldn't do that say in, well, I I did, I did a tour in New Zealand. I was in, I did New Zealand um, comedy festival and then I did a little tour and the show I took with me was, um, it, it was quite had quite a lot of self-deprecating stuff in it, right? Because that's what I do, and it goes down really well in in England. And I had, there were bits I had to rewrite because I thought they were going to stage an intervention at one point because they <laughs> were just they they just their psyche's not used to that level of self-deprecation that we right. excel at in this country, you that's know. And, and so you could see they were starting to get genuinely concerned for me, you know. <laughs> Because I was so mean about my, and you're like, no, you're allowed to laugh. It's I'm fine with this. This is this is what we do. This is how it's. You know, I had to sort of give them permission because it was so not in their psyche to, and and it's the same about their towns. You know, there's no way I would open a gig in New Zealand with you know Wellington shit, isn't it? <laughs> They'd be like, no, I'm <laughs> proud of our town. And then you're like, well, of course you're proud of it because everywhere in New Zealand is fucking beautiful. Like, of course you're proud of it. Yeah, Have you yeah. been to Swindon? No. (laughs) (laughs) And if you were to make fun of Wellington at a gig in Wellington, it probably would be the entire population that were in the crowd because it's a Well, there's that too, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it sounds like you kind of like, you like where you're from, you're not like super proud, you're not really Mm. anti it, but this Mm. is a good point to kind of like, you know, talk about if you could grow up anywhere, what would that be? You know, it could be any time. It could be in the future. It could be in a made up place. Someone um, that I spoke to about this, I said Harry Potter, you know, like um, Hogwarts. <laughs> but um, <laughs> You can have anything you want, you know. So what would that be? Mm, see, I'm not very imaginative when it comes, because I start thinking of the actual practicalities of things, you know, yeah, too much. Yeah. So, but actually th- there's one place. So my mum... My mum's dad is from or was from um, Newfoundland in Canada. And some of my mum's brothers and sisters were born there. And Mm. I go there. um, I've got a lot of family there. 
and I love it there. It's a beautiful place. It's a little island off the east coast of Canada, same size as England and Wales, but with only half a million people. And it's just beautiful. And my relatives there, when we go there, so they have, um, like, I mean, the property is so, so cheap that if I showed you what you could get for the price of a one-bedroom flat in Brighton, you would cry yourself to sleep. Um, Because I do regularly look at property pages in Newfoundland and go, why do I live here? Um, But, so everyone has, like, their house in in the town and then you have a little cabin by the lakes in the woods and it's beautiful and at the weekends you go up to your cabin in the lake and it's just great and I remember taking Matt there in when we first started going out and um we went there and we spent a weekend up at the cabin and all the family was there it was Labor Day weekend so everyone goes to their cabins at Labor Day weekend and and everyone in my family their cabins are all around the same lake so they all that so everyone then just gets a boat or you get a canoe or whatever to each other's cabins and just have these parties and cookouts and stuff. It's just beautiful. And all the kids just travel around on little um, quad bikes, like kids on quad bikes, just through the woods. And I remember just like Matt just going, this is, this is like the perfect childhood. They've just got total freedom. They're in the woods. Mm. They're, you know, and I was like, imagine taking one of these kids and putting them on the estate in Maidstone where I grew up, like how claustrophobic they'd feel <laughs> and how, and I was like, God, if, yeah. if life had gone a little bit differently, you know, I could have grown up here. <laughs> that would have been so much better. Obviously, it, it probably yeah. wouldn't because it never is, is it? Grass is always greener. But in my mind, I think, oh, yeah, that's yeah. where I'd love to have grown up in Newfoundland. Um, Yeah, in the woods at the weekends on my... Bike. That's a great choice. Yeah, and of course, that's where the Newfoundland uh, dogs come from—the big, the sort of like Saint Bernards, aren't they? They're yeah. massive, absolutely massive. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. What you're saying about the, you know, the lake when everyone's like, the, oh, uh, and stop my microphone. Uh, the lake, um, and you've got people, you know, they nip across to the other side in their canoe and stuff. Yeah. It's like, um, on the nearest thing we've got to that is a cul-de-sac. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, totally. <laughs> it totally. doesn't really compete. It sounds fancy, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So is, is Newfoundland, I'm I'm not really very up on my Canadian stuff. Is that, would that be the sort of French Canada part of Canada or is it not? No, no, it's, well, Newfoundland's a funny place. So it's a, it, the province is Newfoundland and Labrador, but Newfoundland is the island and it was only been part of Canada since the late 40s, I think 48 or something. Um, and it's um, it was it was settled by French, the French first, and then other Europeans came. It has a bit of a tragic history, Newfoundland, in that it's one of the few places on earth where a total genocide took place of the indigenous people. Like wow. there were just oh, none left. Yeah, right. yeah the Biovics. There's none of them Gosh. left. Um, but because the Europeans just it, it's um, a, a fishing place. Basically, cod is their trade has been for centuries. And when the Europeans came, they pushed all the indigenous people inland where they all basically starved to death because there were no resources. Um, so it's French and um, other Europeans settled it. But there's a large... It, <laughs> the weirdest thing about Newfoundland is that everyone has an Irish accent, a sort of weird Irish cross-American ah. accent. Um, and I've got family members who have never been to Ireland, yet they sound more Irish than Dara Robreen. Like, they sound... My granddad, everyone thought, was Irish. Um, but they love Irish music. Really they love their pubs. They like Irish pubs. It's um, a real Irish culture there. 
Um, so yeah, that's mm. that's the sort of it's a very unique place. And Newfoundland also is the place um, that the rest of Canada takes the piss out of them. They're the they're how like in the seventies we used to talk about the Irish, okay. <laughs> like Canadians talk about newfies in that way that they oh, you know right, right. they live out on the rock and right. they're a bit backward and they're you know that's that's the um but they're just they're just the brilliant people they're really has yeah so hospitable there's a lovely story um there's a musical called come from away it was in the west end and it was about uh, on 9-11 when 9-11 happened Newfoundland used to be before mm. um, planes could make it all the way to America without refueling. Newfoundland was um, a stop-off point. So even though it's a small island with a small population, it used to have one of the yeah. biggest airports in the world in it, right? In a place called Gander. And oh. in uh, when nine eleven happened, loads of planes got grounded. So loads of planes with thousands of passengers got grounded in Gander for like a week or something, or maybe even more. Mm. Uh, and so all the locals just took these people into their homes from the planes, the plane people, they call them, and um, and sort of mm. fed them and looked after them and, you know, until they were able to get going again. And the people were so grateful. They started mm. a, um, that's still going, they started like a college fund for the children of Ganda. So the kids in Ganda get their college fees paid for by the people that were on these planes in, in on 9-11. Um, nice. but yeah, so a, lovely. Yeah, it's a really nice story. And because come from away is, if you're in Newfoundland, there's three types of people. You're either mm. a townie where you live in the city. I say city. I mean it's a, you know, mm -hmm. it's a small town, St John's. Or you're a bayman, <laughs> which means you live in in one of the bays, which are like little villages. Everywhere's on a bay in Newfoundland because it's all ah, on right. the coastline. Um, yeah. Or you're a come from away, which means you're from anywhere else. <laughs> So the musical is called Come See, that away. sounds so Irish that, you know, come from yeah. a Right, ah, I like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. The That's accent's great. beautiful. I tell, when we finish this, Google Newfoundland accent and you'll listen to it all day. It's incredible. I will. <laughs> it's such a weird accent. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, that sounds like a really nice choice. And it's nice that you've got, like, you know, um, it's a very, you know, a, a real place. It's nice when you can, you know, mm. have a fantasy that is, like, sort of, when I say achievable, obviously you can't start your life again, but um, <laughs> it's nice that, to think that there's these places in the world that are idyllic for people to grow up and, you know, um, it's, it sounds yeah. like they're really, really lovely place and nice people. I love it. Yeah, well, I love um, it there. Well, cheers for joining me today. I really uh, appreciate that. Um, it's been no, lovely talking to you. I feel, like I've had a, I feel like I've had a history lesson as well. It's amazing. So, yeah, like, no, yeah. I've learned, and I feel like I've had a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> both That's winners. Fair. <laughs> yeah perfect exchange i think yeah well um sure. well um where could what have you got going on at the minute is there anything you want to tell people about um, oh yeah i'll tell you my i've got a podcast because who hasn't let's be honest um <laughs> but i i do a history podcast it's me and um john o'farrell who's brilliant yep. comedy writer you know and uh, we have a history podcast called we are history and it's just us talking about events in history that interest us it's very silly it's not you know not dry and boring but it's a good but you do learn stuff so um yeah yeah give us a listen i think they're the best kind of uh podcasts i mean it just anything is like when you can have fun and learn stuff at the same time i love that i think that's yeah. why comedians make good like travelogue hosts and stuff like that you know what i mean because mm. they can you know make it fun and it's not too dry yeah that's cool yeah. sounds great cool all right well um 
thanks again for joining us and uh yeah i'll hopefully see you in real life soon that'd be that'd be lovely oh, i hope so i really hope so thanks very much <laughs> mate thanks for having me it was a joy there we go angela barnes everyone that was a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed listening to it i'll be back again next week with another guest helen bauer you might know her from her own podcast that she does with rosie jones called daddy look at me um if you want to keep up to date with me and the podcast you can follow me on twitter i'm at it's william stone and if you want to follow angela it's at angela barnes appropriately so uh cheers again for listening and uh see you next week